What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the All Things Basketball podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez, and I am back with the middle of the pack from the Western Conference as we move on with the mini series of why you should watch. I am going to touch on uh, very, very briefly um, the Kevin Durant news, um, obviously the Chet Holmgren news. A couple of days ago was obviously uh, Kobe's birthday. Uh, rest in peace to my favorite player of all time. Uh, yesterday was uh, Kobe Day as well. I want to have a mini episode of my appreciation for Kobe, and I will do that uh, in the in the near future. I definitely want to touch on that. I think it would be a really fun episode for me to do, but I obviously want to keep this uh, an episode for the mini series. Uh, but yeah, let's get right into it. So of course, I'm starting off here at number 10, uh, the San Antonio Spurs, aka Tanking Mania, the pit of forgotten players. If you watch Game of Thrones, it's like the Night's Watch, right? <laughs> Where they're on the wall and they're protecting the land or whatever it is that they're doing on that wall, right? No different from the universe in San Antonio. It's kind of like I said, it's that pit of forgotten players, <laughs> kind of that void of NBA League Pass that, you know, the, the Spurs are playing, but <laughs> you just, you, you know, you'd rather watch something else, right? Like you'd rather, I'd pro you'd probably rather watch like Jeopardy, right? Or, or whatever's on the local channels, right? Like you'd almost rather watch that than watch these teams play basketball. It's just not fun, you know, <laughs> just like the, it is, I understand Greg Popovich's fundamental basketball uh, he wants it to be played a certain way. He has an offense. He has a strategy. And honestly, yes, it's loosened up over the years, right? It hasn't really been like that uh, crazy systematic offense type of feel. It's a little more free than it used to be. And part of that is because obviously the Spurs just don't have those veteran players, those uh, franchise players, right? They just have this group of young kids that just don't know how to win basketball games, right? And just aren't good, right? For the most part, right? The teams just haven't been good lately, right? The last few seasons. And so the reason I call it the pit is because no one really knows what's going on over there. They just kind of know it. The team's just not good, right? Um, whoever goes there, you kind of forget about them. And a good example of that is DeMar DeRozan gets traded to San Antonio. <laughs> and unless you were like a heavy DeMar DeRozan fan, or a San Antonio Spurs fan, kind of you kind of just forgot about DeRozan, right? But I'm here to tell you as well, DeRozan played awesome in San Antonio. Um, it was just he was just playing on a bad team and playing for the Spurs, right? So it's one of those things, right? So I'm not gonna really dive in too much into this team because this is a team that's tanking for French international potential superstar. Uh, his name is Victor Wembenyama. They're clearly going to be tanking for him. I'm sure there's going to be a couple teams that are probably going to try to tank for him as well. But it's crazy that we're in this universe, right? I can't believe I'm in a world where <laughs> the San Antonio Spurs are actually trying to lose basketball games and the Sacramento Kings are, uh, <laughs> you know, the front office is sending out messages to the media and the fans that they are putting a mandate to make the playoffs, right? Like they're fighting and scratching and making all these crazy trades, like the ones for Demonis Sabonis, um, to kind of, you know, fight to get into the playoffs, right? And then on the other spectrum, we have the Spurs actually tanking, right? So I can't believe I'm in this time 
but it is what it is, you know. Um, here's a quote from Deontay Murray uh, when he got traded to the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, he replied to a Spurs fan on Instagram, and this is what it was. It says, the way that system is set up, you're going to be losing for the next 15 years. The problem is bigger than basketball, right? So clearly, you know, kind of a shot, right, at maybe Popovich and the franchise itself, the front office, you know, kind of just letting everyone know, like, hey, they're tanking over there. You know, like, they're they're just trying to get high lottery picks. Um, and so, you know, they've got Josh, they've got a, a project players, right? They've got some project players in San Antonio, like Keldon Johnson, uh, played with Team USA, uh, Josh Primo, kind of that kid that was, like, super raw in the draft and um, was picked pretty high when the Spurs took him. Um, we have another guard coming this season, Blake Wesley, um, you know, kind of a guy that people have high hopes for, um, but he got picked pretty late in the NBA draft. Uh, Jeremy Sohan, you know, just kind of throwing out some names for notable names that were in the draft this, uh, this, this draft that just passed. And one of these guys that falls in the San Antonio Spurs void, right? Like that pit, Josh Richardson, right? Did anyone know <laughs> that Josh Richardson was playing for the Spurs? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those teams, man, like a player gets traded there and you forget all about them. Um, so yeah, I mean, I want to move on, you know, I'm not going to try to convince you guys to watch a team that's trying to lose. Okay. Uh, so we got number nine, right? The Los Angeles Clippers, obviously a team it's coached by Ty Lue, who is revered. You know, he is a guy that everyone loves. He's a good, uh, he's a coach that adapts, doesn't have a set system. He kind of he, he kind of figures things out, makes a lot of changes mid-game, uh, really adaptive coach. He goes with whatever's happening that night, um, isn't really a hard-headed coach in terms of this is what he's going to do and he's going to enforce it and it's a cookie-cutting offense or a defense. He really adjusts to what's going on um, as the game unfolds. So yes, you get a great coach in Ty Lue, obviously a team that's going to be one of the most stacked in terms of depth, right, role players. Uh, we're looking at a guy in his contract year, Robert Covington, 3 and D guy, uh, pretty valuable player for them. Uh, obviously, they get John Wall, you know, a guy that I'm going to go into a John Wall uh, little segment here real quick. So people are arguing, right? And I had it on the on a prior pod. I was talking with Gus on a prior pod about John Wall. Didn't really touch too much on that, but I do want to say this, right? I remember a lot of people obviously are always going to say, oh, well, his jump shot. Right. Jump shots never been there. Uh, don't be fooled by the workouts in the offseason. You know, it's not something that's going to probably translate to the NBA. And here's my argument. Right. John Wall's been on teams his whole career that didn't have a lot of spacing, so to speak. Right. Wasn't really surrounded by elite shooting. And so when you're on teams like that, it's going to expose you when you're not a great shooter. And so on this team. John Wall is like the anti-half-court offense guy, right? Kind of a guy that wants to get out and run, play in the fast break because of the fact that, yeah, he is limited in terms of shooting, um, but so were his teams at the time. But now he's on a team where he can really be a pure point guard, right? Uh, in terms of he's got Kawhi Leonard on one wing who can create for himself. He's got Paul George in the other wing who can also create for himself. Both of those guys are good three-point shooters, good perimeter shooters, and obviously we've got other guys on the roster. 
like Reggie Jackson, right? He's, he's definitely a threat out there. You know, I'm looking at Norman Powell, you know, a guy that's going to play some defense. He knows his role, um, and he can also spread the floor. He definitely can spread the floor. I'm looking at Luke Kennard, right? Typical traditional two guard, right? Six foot five. That's going to spread the floor as well. He's definitely going to keep the the defense on it. So, you know, you're, you're surrounding him. Uh, you're surrounding John Wall with, with a lot of options, catch and shoot guys, guys that are going to spread the floor. He's got a center, right? Kind of their, their only center really on the team, uh, if it's a Zubats, right? But he's got that center that's going to set some screens and dive to the basket, right? So John Wall's got some weapons, you know? I'm here to tell you that John Wall was... The best player he's ever played with was Bradley Beal, right? Um, and Bradley Beal... <sighs> say what you want about Bradley Beal, um, and I don't want this to sound like hate, uh, but he's not really a guy that... <sighs> he can't be your best player, Right, I think I think we've gotten enough evidence of that. Yes, he hasn't had the best teammates, but you know, just hasn't been a great basketball player. He is a really good player. He is, I guess, he, he is a star. You know, definitely can score with the best of them in the league. Um, but you know, if that's the best player you've ever played with, I'm optimistic for John Wall because he's playing alongside Kawhi Leonard. Right, this is a team, any team with Kawhi Leonard on it is a contender, right? And, you know, if John Wall's going to be the third best guy on this roster or or if he's coming off the bench and he's going to be one of the better role-playing guys, this team is definitely going to pack a punch um, and it's going to be a huge team to watch on League Pass and when the postseason comes around. The only question about this team is health. Uh, let me read you a quote before I move on from, these, uh, from this um, Los Angeles Clippers uh, portion. So it's a quote from Ty Lue. Right. And he says, we got our main guys back. We can be dangerous. It's all about health. Right. I kind of paraphrased it um, to kind of get to the point. So he says it's all about health, you know, and I agree with that. Right. This is a team that clearly, you know, was hit by covid, was hit with injuries. So let's see, you know, John Wall's got to stay healthy. Kawhi's got to stay healthy. Paul George has to stay healthy. The role players are going to be there every night, um, you know, and that's it. You know, consistency. I think this is going to be I think this is going to be a huge season for the Clippers. Um definitely a dark horse. Uh they're a dark horse every year it feels like. Um but you know, this is a team that is always going to be in the picture. They're always going to be in the mix. But let's move on to the next team on this list. And this team is the New Orleans Pelicans. 36 and 46 uh last season without Zion. You know, they actually made the playoffs uh, without Zion, right? That's like, that's a major part of this argument here of why you should watch them. Um, so they made the playoffs. They won two games against the Suns in that first round. They started the season three and 16, kind of won some, lost some, won some, lost some. And then they trade for CJ McCollum, right? And this is kind of, you know, that trade, this is the kind of, time where the season kind of turns around for them, right? They start to win a lot more games. They're more competitive. They're a little more of a threat and just an impressive showing for these guys, right? So in this next season coming up, right, it looks like we're going to get a healthy Zion. You know, I I'm hearing reports. I'm reading reports that he's going to be ready for training camp. Obviously, we're getting a first full season for CJ McCollum with the Pelicans, right? Kind of get some more chemistry uh, if everyone's back in training camp. 
we're getting these crazy pictures of Brandon Ingram where he kind of looks like a like a homeless guy. <laughs> you can kind of see those. You can kind of Google Brandon Ingram memes. And right now he has like a massive afro and the facial hair is crazy outgrown. So I don't know, you know, I don't know if that's a fake picture, uh, but it's definitely been going around. So just some numbers for Brandon Ingram last season. 22 points, 5.8 rebounds, 5.6 assists. And this is going to be year seven, right? So that that famous year seven for a lot of players, right? Year seven is like, it's 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 like the your prime, right? It's like the it's like where you start the best of your abilities in a way, right? You you've had you've had a couple of years under your belt to build up your body, to build the intelligence of the NBA game, to build the confidence, to develop your game, and yeah, year seven is typically a big year. For NBA players. And, you know, we look at the other parts of this roster. We have Grand Theft Alvarado, right? The guy that that hides out of bounds, right? Hides behind the referees, behind the basketball hoops, um, kind of catching guys off guard <laughs> to, to get some steals. Um, you know, high energy guy, plays defense, knows his role, doesn't play outside of himself, Nice little pest on defense. Clearly a valuable player for them. Uh, We get a lockdown defender. Such a promising player in Herb Jones. He made the all-rookie second team. Uh, He's a future uh, defensive player of the year candidate, right? And future all-defense team player, right? I'm calling it now. You know, Herb Jones, he's got big hands. He's active. He's lanky. He has energy. He pokes the ball away from everyone, Gets a lot of steals. I think he averaged like 1.7 steals per game. Just a high energy guy. Another one of those guys that adds toughness and defense to the team. And then, of course, <laughs> we have another Australian player, right? Another one. And not only is he Australian, he's from the G League Ignite. Okay, now if you've heard, uh, if you've heard my other pods, my other episodes, you know I'm big on the Australian players. You know I'm big on the G League Ignite players. And he is a combination of both, okay? You're not familiar with Dyson Daniels, really big guard. Um, obviously, like I said, Australian guard. He's He has an interview with Mike Schmitz that I highly recommend you guys check out. Uh, it's on YouTube. Mike Schmitz interviews him. You know, they talk about, you know, the game. They do some film breakdown. You get a good look at Dyson Daniels if you don't feel like watching his G League games um, or his Australian games. Dyson Daniels, great passer. Okay, another one of those Josh Giddy types where he is just, he's awesome in terms of moving the ball, being in the right places, uh, off-ball movement, um, but the same knock as Josh Giddy, which is the shooting, right? Shooting is a little bit of a question mark with Dyson Daniels. I will say this, um, I like Dyson Daniels' shooting form. Uh, the mechanics look good, okay? That matters to me, um, and he's definitely strong. So I think it's just a matter of repetitions, right? Maybe improve the technique a little. I don't know, you know, but I will say that about Dyson Daniels. Very intriguing prospect. And one thing that he has that Josh Giddy does not is defense. Dyson Daniels, really good defender. Um, super impressive. Obviously a rookie this season coming up. Uh, you know, definitely catch him. I'm upset about a rookie that was drafted just now because he tore his ACL in summer league and he was one of my sleeper picks. I talked about him a little bit on an older pod. His name was EJ Liddell. Um, he has a he has an interview as well with Mike Schmitz. 
uh, where they talk about who he models his game after, kind of who he looks at in the NBA. And he talks about he wants to be like the next Draymond Green. And listen, this guy, he scores, he can shoot, he can guard multiple positions, he's tough, he's strong, he's quick, he's athletic, just a do-it-all Swiss Army Knife guy. Would have been awesome on this Pelicans team. It's unfortunate we're not going to get him. Um, But yeah, that's my little piece on EJ Liddell. Um, Jonas Valanciunas, obviously doing Jonas Valanciunas things, right? (laughs) Just getting buckets, being tough, getting rebounds, setting screens, spreading the floor, just being a vet for these guys, right? Um, We get Larry Nance Jr., um, obviously known for his Laker days. He was on the Cavs for some time. He's a freak athlete. He was in a dunk contest not long ago in the NBA, obviously. He made an appearance on the road tripping pod with uh, Richard Jefferson, uh, Ali Clifton, and um, Channing Frye. And yeah, he was on that. You know, they talked some hoops. They talked about the Pelican season and things of that nature. Uh, It was a pretty good pod. Um, You know, Larry Nance, interesting guy, can kind of guard multiple positions, likes to get out and run. He's a lob threat, Um, kind of getting a jumper. You know, he's, he's really building up that jumper. But yeah, those are my reasons for watching the Pelicans. I fully expect them to be a playoff team. Um, I wouldn't say a contender because they're they're so young overall, um, but they're definitely going to be a dangerous team um, in the regular season and in the playoffs with or without Zion. Okay, now obviously Zion pushes them over the top and makes them a real danger, right, for other teams. But without Zion, this team still has pieces to win a lot of games. Okay, but let's move on to the next team. And the next team I'm looking at here is the Minnesota Timberwolves. 46 and 36 last season. This is a team that I talked about during the Rudy Gobert trade. Kind of had like an emergency podcast type thing because it was a big trade. A lot of noise was made when the trade was made because a lot was given up. A lot was gambled on depending on the side you want to look at. But yeah, we get to a team here, 46 and 36, coming off of a season where they make the playoffs, right? Always a knock on the Timberwolves is a team that just can never be relevant. Uh, So they make the playoffs. They have an awesome series with the Memphis Grizzlies. And then obviously after that, we just think, you know, cool. Once they get eliminated, we think, oh, that was such a good experience for Anthony Edwards, for Carl Anthony Towns, who, in my opinion, didn't have a great series. Um, He had some good moments, but he did have some meltdowns. Um, But I do want to say this, right? We start with the first question. Is D'Angelo Russell the black sheep? Is he going to be moved? Is he someone that the franchise is kind of thinking, okay, this is probably the final piece that needs to be changed up so that we can get uh, the ball rolling in the direction where we're trying to get it to. To me, uh, I like D'Angelo Russell. Uh, Obviously, as a Laker fan, I had high hopes for him coming out of college. Looked like a great playmaker, great passer. Obviously, unfortunately, we had the the crazy shenanigans, right? We, We know the stories. Uh, between him and Nick Young and whatever it is. But yeah, you know, D'Angelo Russell had a big season in Brooklyn, right? And then obviously ends up in the Golden State Warriors. Then he ends up on this Minnesota Timberwolves team, right? Where he's kind of kept his spot on this team, right? But now that the team is kind of seeing some success, right? And obviously they get a piece in uh, Anthony Edwards, who is the new face of the franchise. You know, you hear a lot about how people are even willing to move on from Carl Anthony Towns because they're so confident in Anthony Edwards. Um, And I understand that, uh, but I also think it's a mistake 
to think that uh, they should give up Carl Anthony Towns in any sort of trade. Obviously, Carl Anthony Towns, super valuable player. Um, but as we move on, right? So D'Angelo Russell, that's a question, right? Interesting kind of piece on this team that we want to look out for when we're watching them. Um, Jaden McDaniels, right? You might not be familiar with the name, but social media certainly is. I want to say this, right? He's become like social media's new favorite sleeper guy. And he showed up on the crossover, which is um, Jamal Crawford's uh, league, right? It's his pro-am. He dropped 52 points at a crossover game. I didn't watch that game. I watched parts of it. But I do want to say this about Jaden McDaniels. Uh, he looks like he's a bucket, right? Um, looks like a dude that can definitely score. He's obviously, it says here, 6'9", 185. And this is year three for Jaden McDaniels. Now, the knock on Jaden McDaniels coming out of college was like the physicality. That he had the tools, but not necessarily a physical player, right? That was kind of a knock on him. And now the knock on him at this moment is the consistency as far as shooting. Shot 31% from three last season. I would like to see that go up. The shooting for him is a key in his, honestly, in what is going to open up his potential, right? If he, if he can just knock down shots and, and just be a threat out there, it's going to open up a lot for his game because he has a nice little handle. Um, he's got like a street ball feel to him. I really like watching him play. Um, so I don't know, you know, it, some people say he's like a budget Kevin Durant, <laughs> you know, like I've, I've kind of read those things too. Um, I will give you this stat that I, that I read. I wanted to do a little more research on Jaden McDaniel. So here's a nice little stat. I saw it on a tweet. It says here, five defenders held opponents, uh, to the lowest field goal percentage within six feet of the rim. Okay. Now these five defenders that held, uh, the opponents to the lowest field goal percentage by the rim. Uh, number one, Jared Allen, known shot blocker, paint defender. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., another known uh, big man defender. Rudy Gobert, right? We could have guessed that one easily. Good paint defender. And then at number four is Jaden McDaniels, right? Uh, number five was JaVale McGee. Uh, so yeah, you know, Jaden McDaniels uh, in some good elite company in terms of paint defense, right? Um, with that nice little stat. So he's definitely going to be a key to helping the perimeter defense if it's possible, right? Now, I know this was a stat for paint defense, but he definitely has the tools to assist on the perimeter. So, you know, we're looking at the other serviceable parts of this team. Kyle Anderson, right? Just a good veteran that they just picked up right here. Um, you know, he's from the Spurs. He played in Memphis. Uh, not a great shooter, but he is a versatile forward. Uh, can actually play small ball five. Right, it, it's definitely going to be an option when Rudy Gobert is off, right? When he's on the bench or if Cat's resting and whatnot, he could definitely play the small ball five. Kind of can shoot, but not really, right? Like, like not really a threat, but he could potentially knock down some open shots. Um, but obviously, his more important part of his game is that he's so versatile. Uh, he's a tough guy, you know. He's experienced. He's a smart player. He knows his role, right? You need guys like that on your team to make deep runs. Uh, we're looking at budget Steph Curry, right? That's what a lot of people call him, and that's what I call him. Uh, his name is Bryn Forbes. He's in his contract year. If you're not familiar with Bryn Forbes, watch a couple of his highlights, and you'll see why people call him budget Steph Curry. Quick release, quick shot, uh, shoots above 40% from three. So he's an elite three-point shooter, definitely spreads the floor, and he, he keeps defenses super honest when he's out there. So a valuable player for sure. Uh, we have Austin Rivers. 
right? A guy that ends up on this roster and he's in his contract year, right? He's playing for a contract at this point. So, um, you know, definitely interesting to watch this guy. He's really been a journeyman in the NBA. He's been everywhere. He's more known for his time on the Clippers. Um, but, you know, we know he's a bucket, right? We know he can score. So he'll definitely add some nice little uh, scoring punch right off the bench, uh, even mixed in with the starters at some points. Uh, we get a guy like Torian Prince, who's kind of been all over the place. He shoots above league average uh, from the three. Not like a crazy threat, but definitely someone that can catch and shoot, right? Uh, kind of versatile forward, right? Knows his role. Another one of those guys that's, you know, just a role guy. But then we get to the bigger names, right? Like I said, Anthony Edwards. Uh, this is going to be year three for Anthony Edwards, right? Just we know everything there is to know about Anthony Edwards so far, right? Like it's not someone that I really have to, uh, it's like me telling you to watch LeBron at this point. Now I'm not comparing Anthony Davis to LeBron. Please don't get that twisted. Don't, don't put any words in my mouth or anything like that. What I mean is, um, you know, this guy is all over social media. Um, he is a hell of a character, super funny dude. He is all over the place, very popular player, uh, and, and you know, what I love about this kid is that he, not only is he a popular player, he's not one of those, like, like he's just some social media entertainer, right? Like this guy is super skilled, uh, ridiculously high ceiling, just the potentials off the roof, right? We know the parts that of his game that need work and that's the shooting needs to be consistent, right? If he can just have a consistent jumper, this kid is going to be unguardable. He's already pretty unguardable because he's got a really good handle. I would like to see him kind of tighten the handle up a little bit. You know, a lot of times he does lose the ball, you know, in his own dribble moves. But yes, the shot needs to be more consistent. And the second part of the game that does need to improve is his defense, right? Can't really stay in front of guys, right? We've seen him, you know, block shots and things like that, but but not a guy that keeps guys in front of him consistently. So I would like to see those two things for Anthony Edwards. Super exciting guy, clearly the face of the franchise. He's the guy that gets what he wants on this team, right? Um, we get the second guy in the pecking order, in my opinion, Carl uh, Anthony Towns, right? Not too much I need to go into about Cat, probably the best shooting big in the NBA. What, and, and honestly, obviously one of the best shooters in the NBA. Um, obviously won the three-point contest, 6'11", center slash forward, quick feet. The knock on him is defense, right? And also showing that he's in the game as well. Like, Carl Anthony Towns has that, he has that feel where sometimes you don't know where he is, right? Like, he kind of, like, comes in and out of games, right? Even if he's out there on the court. It's really weird with him, right? Where he's kind of kind of disappears. Um, and if you watch that series... Uh, against the Memphis Grizzlies, you know, kind of on and off, right? Um, you know, a lot of knocks on him when it comes to that, but definitely a skilled guy. Uh, to me, the second guy in the pecking order after Anthony Edwards. Um, and then, you know, we can move on to Rudy Gobert, right? The new piece, the new shiny toy for this franchise, right? The guy that I said is a massive gamble for a team that, <sighs> a team that didn't even, you know, they, they were out in the first round, obviously, um, but this is not a team that we feel uh, is a contender, right? Even with this piece added, because they gave up so much to get this guy. I don't want to get into that trade too much because obviously I went into it when the trade went down. You can listen to that episode. It was one of my earlier episodes. Um, I was against the trade because I feel like you give up too much for a rim protector. 
you give up the future you get with with the picks you gave up uh which was an insane amount of picks on top of that you're taking in another max contract right for that rim protector when teams go small Rudy Gobert has been exposed but obviously I also defend Rudy Gobert in that aspect because if you're on a team as a paint defender like a a drop coverage center that protects the rim and you're on a team with perimeter players that can't defend for their life uh yeah you're going to look even worse because now guys are are attacking you after they just beat their man so Rudy Gobert was kind of left to clean up the mess right uh for the Utah Jazz and it didn't look good for him and so that's why there's a lot of knocks on Rudy Gobert but you know we'll see right the problem is they gave up a lot of perimeter defense to get Rudy Gobert so it could potentially turn into uh the Utah Jazz 2.0 right that's something that I'm worried about uh with this team now I do think they're going to be a really good regular season team I just think that it's going to be another first round exit uh for this team um, that's my opinion, you know, um, I just don't see them winning a playoff series. Uh, I think that they're a little bit away from that because they are relatively young. Um, but yeah, I want to move on to the next team. And the final team for the middle pack of the West, uh, last seed was the sixth seed, uh, the Denver Nuggets at 48 and 34, right? Um, a team that no surprise, obviously, you know, they have the MVP of the league in Nikola Jokic, right? Um, Now, I want to say this about Jokic. Just like any MVP we've ever had, any superstar, any any face of the franchise, there's two things that come with it, right? Uh, There's love and there's hate, okay? And I am honestly, this is not new to me or anyone else, but I am honestly surprised by the amount of content surrounding Nikola Jokic in terms of uh, Nikola Jokic overrated culture, right? Um, th- there's actually so much Nikola Jokic hate content that I am just mind blown by. Um, now, starting from the fact that he doesn't have his two co-stars, right? I'm not going to say Michael Porter Jr. is a star, okay? But he is, he's kind of like that third option on the team when he is out there. You know, he he did, he was a big contributor for these Nuggets. And so he doesn't have Jamal Murray, right, who's a young rising star. And he doesn't have Michael Porter Jr. In the Western Conference, still gets the sixth seed for the playoffs. So, I mean, th- and this is a guy that, you know, the hate that I'm seeing out there, oh, he's not athletic. Oh, he's, you know, he's he's slow-footed. He can't keep up with teams that run and gun. Uh, you know, he... People say he got exposed against the Warriors, exposed against Phoenix, and things like that, right? Um, but I'm here to tell you this, okay? When you have a center as big as Jokic, right? He might not be an athlete. He catches the rebound on defense. He goes across the court. He he knocks down the three. He makes the pass. He starts the fast break. He can throw uh, full court passes as well to finish on the other side. Um, he gets to the other side. He's more of a post player, right? But he can score everywhere on the floor. Um, he's got the post moves. He's got the post passing, post scoring, great footwork, kind of an unstoppable hook shot, right? He's got like a nice little hook um, that he likes to do in the post. You know, he's got a fadeaway. It doesn't look pretty, but it's money, you know? So, so here's a guy that takes uh, a team with limited help 
Okay, you can go down the line on that roster without Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray. Um, you know, you got a guy like Campazzo, right? Uh, kind of like a playmaking first Argentinian guard, right? You got guys like that on your team. Um, now, they are all serviceable role players, but he needs scoring punches to assist him. But nonetheless, gets the sixth seed in the Western Conference. So, you know, this is a guy that he did deserve to win the MVP. You know, I just wanted to take a little side uh, segment for Nikola Jokic because I can't believe that a player uh, as good as he is, as great as he is, uh, without the athleticism um, and his achievements, without the help, uh, can't be understated, right? Like, like they can't be overstated either. So I'm going to end it with that, right? So anyways, we move on to the the next reason for me that you that you should definitely watch these nuggets right obviously jokic is a massive reason to watch them now i want to get into a big reason and that's this guy nashan highland okay you're, you're probably not going to know his name unless i give you the nickname bones right bones highland okay he's nicknamed bones because of his skinny frame uh, but if you're not familiar with this kid's story uh, i'm actually going to just read you uh the article okay for this kid he was a rookie last season, and this is the story, right? Uh, he is from Wilmington, Delaware, okay? And there was a, high, uh, a house fire that the fire department um, responded to, okay? Which is where Bones was living at the time with his grandmother, with his grandmother and, ba- and uh, baby cousin, an 11, 11-month-old cousin, okay? This is 7.14 p.m., uh, March of 2018, Okay, Bones Highland is 17 years old at this point, right? There's a house fire in his house, obviously. And he saved his own life by jumping out of the second floor bedroom window, right? But in doing so, he injured his knee really badly. Okay, now his grandmother did not survive uh, and neither did his baby cousin. Super sad story, super devastating, um, you know, and... Just to kind of fast forward the story a little bit for you guys, obviously he, like I said, he injured his knee really badly and he got a bunch of opinions from different doctors. Every doctor that he went to basically told him his basketball career was over, right? So we skip to a couple of years later and here he is in the NBA cooking guys, right? Just left and right. He's got the crossover. He has a street ball feel to him. He talks a lot of trash on the court. Super confident kid. He can knock down shots, breaks people's ankles, gets to the cup, makes good passes. This kid is super exciting. I'm really rooting for this kid. It is probably my favorite current NBA player storyline um, to follow. Okay, now I kind of, I might have skipped some details, but I just want to say that. Okay, Um, now that's an amazing story. So another reason to watch the Denver Nuggets, um, if you didn't know Bones Highland. So, you know, we're getting into the other role players on the team, right? Uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, right? More known for his time with the championship Lakers roster, but obviously he comes from that Washington Wizards trade. Okay, now KCP, say what you want about him. He knows his role. He's going to knock down threes and he's going to play defense. Very switchable player, doesn't play outside of himself knows his game, right? And he's a proven champion, right? So definitely a solid role player for the team that can definitely start on the roster. Uh, We get another playmaking point guard from the Washington Wizards. You're probably not going to be familiar with him unless you've watched him 
uh, in Detroit and uh, obviously in Washington. His name is Ishmael Smith, uh, more known as Ish Smith. He doesn't have a shot, really, um, but he has good handles. He's very quick. I think he's one of the fastest people in the NBA. Um, but he's a playmaking point guard, like a really traditional old school point guard, right? Just kind of runs the offense type of guy. Um, but yeah, we get it. We get Jamal Murray back, right? Tore his ACL. Um, and now we have him back. You know, he's coming back for training camp. I'm watching him in the off season, adding a lot more post game, uh, probably as a result of the injury. He probably wants to find safer ways to score the ball. Right, that's something that you'll probably see when guys get injured. Unfortunately, uh, to kind of counter that, you know, I think that was the real problem with Derrick Rose and why he continued to get injured because he kind of just kept coming back playing the same game, right? Just challenging multiple defenders at the rim, uh, just these crazy bursts of speed. And I think over time, uh, guys have learned to, you have to add more to your game when you get hurt like that because you can get hurt again. You know, so that's just my theory based on what I'm seeing in the offseason for Jamal Murray. So, yeah, he did have a post game, but it, it looks like he's really emphasizing that right now. Um, so we have another guy that's going to be back right uh, for training camp, which is Michael Porter Jr. You know, in July of this year, he told he said on, on NBA TV, he said, I think I'm 100 percent at this point. So, you know, that's optimistic. Right. We know that this is a guy with a lot of promise. Right, tall, lanky guy, uh, good athlete, can knock down shots, can really score, reliable player for the team. Had some off time, you know, he's had some off games and things like that, but definitely a promising player uh, that came into the league with uh, injury history, right? The back is always going to be a concern uh, with NBA players, but nonetheless, you know, we're looking at another guy like Aaron Gordon, right? Just a, a beautiful match for Nikola Jokic, right? A guy that's going to backdoor cut, catch some lobs, um, you know, just put pressure on the defense because he likes to move off the ball, um, just knows his role, right? I think he's he's finally come to grips with his career and what it's going to be, right? Just a star in his role, right? Um, yeah, you know, these are all reasons to watch these Denver Nuggets. I think we can expect this team to... I, I want to say... Are they going to be a six-seeded team next season? It's really hard to predict. Um, I don't like predicting seedings because there's so many changes that happen, um, you know, injuries and things like that. Um, I don't know. You know, I don't know where this team's going to end up, but let's just say that Jamal Murray has a fully healthy season. Michael Porter Jr. has a fully healthy season. Um, Bones Highland takes a leap. Uh, we get another consistent season from Jokic, as we always do. Um, I don't know. You know, I think this team could have home court advantage in the playoffs if we get a fully healthy season from everyone. Um, you know, you're adding a guy like KCP, you know, proven player, guys that know their role. So I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and say it's it's going to be probably a top four seeded team because of what they have. OK, I can safely assume that Jokic is going to push them over the top during the regular season and in the playoffs, um, you know, I, I think they're, I think it's a reliable team to bank on. Uh, even if you're worried about injuries and things like that, I think that this is a pretty deep team, you know? Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for this one. Um, I'm going to come back with the, 
top teams from the East. And then I'm also going to have another final episode with the top teams of the West. And then I'm going to get into some other content that's been happening around the league. Uh, some things that I haven't been able to touch on because I want these episodes to be um, specifically within this mini series, right? I don't want to add extra things because I want the series to be its own thing. You know, um, definitely, you know, we got we got a lot of news lately, right? Chet Holmgren getting injured uh, during the Pro-Am, which I watched, unfortunately was canceled uh, because of um, condensation on the court. Unfortunately, they had to cancel the game midway through. Yeah, you know, and then we get obviously some good news, in my opinion. Kevin Durant sticking with the Brooklyn Nets, right? So the reason I say it's good news is because, you know, you want you want the Eastern Conference to remain competitive, you know. And if Kevin Durant is in the Eastern Conference, you know, and still with the Brooklyn Nets, it, it adds more, more spread of talent, right? Uh, not just getting traded to go just make a, a, a great team even better, right? Now he's... He's, he's sticking with his own team here, right? With Kyrie and Ben Simmons and those guys. So, you know, definitely some good news. But that's going to do it for this episode. As always, I'm your host, Vic Lopez. This is the All Things Basketball Podcast. And I'll catch you guys on the next one. <laughs>